Hey, friends. As you may know, there haven't been new episodes of The Reheat lately because we're on a cute little hiatus. To keep you satisfied this summer, we're re-releasing some of our favorite episodes. This week, we're revisiting the first episode of The Reheat we ever made, Team Aniston versus Team Jolie. The love triangle that took over tabloid culture when Brad Pitt left wife Jennifer Aniston for his Mr. and Mrs. Smith co-star Angelina Jolie was a formative gossip experience for most millennials. But what this episode reveals is that the infamous feud between Jennifer and Angelina, a feud that spawned many, many headlines and even some t-shirts, was mostly media manufactured. Since we initially released the episode in 2021, there have been some major developments in this story. Brad and Angelina are still divorced, and their post-divorce legal battles have not abated. For Brad's part, there was a June court filing that claimed his former spouse, quote, sought to inflict harm by selling her half of Miraval, the vineyard they once co-owned. There are also new reports that Brad Pitt was physically violent with Angelina Jolie on a private plane in 2016. Those reports are incredibly troubling, and there's an actual FBI case file on the incident. For her part, Jennifer Aniston's life in 2022 remains full of cute dogs, long walks on the beach, and plenty of chill vibes. Last January, the two-time divorcee announced she was looking for love again, telling SiriusXM, No one of importance has hit my radar yet, but I think it's time. We're hoping she finally gets together with David Schwimmer. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. He's in the building! Rink the moment. Rink it. I said, empty your mind. Coquettish and coy. Ow. Ow. What? There's people that are dying. The wickedly talented. More than great. It was historic. Crack is work. Oh, good for you. I have to apologize. One of the hottest. Hello, and welcome to The Reheat, a podcast that reexamines the hottest celebrity news and scandals of yesteryear and asks, how would we react to the same events if they transpired today? I'm your co-host, Sadaf Hassan, an arts and culture journalist who has a possibly very unhealthy obsession with gossip and celebrity. Okay, definitely very unhealthy. And I'm your co-host, Sarah Sahagian, a journalist and educator who's also a self-identified historian of celebrity culture. And we are the kind of friends who were brought together by doing exactly this, talking pop culture. So it seemed only fitting we come together to bring you the reheat. Now, this is our first ever episode, and we're pretty excited to analyze the scandals you're still not over, which are many, and even some you may have forgotten. Each week, one of us will present a deep dive into a very juicy story from the past, while the other offers her perspective on the very hot mess at hand. For our debut episode, I've done a deep dive into the most infamous Hollywood love triangle of the 21st century. Celebrity gossip aficionados know what I am referring to. That time when Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston filed for divorce and Brad quickly moved on with Oscar winner Angelina Jolie. Now, Sarah, I have to tell you, when I was back in high school and I remember this was all happening, I was very much Team Angie to begin with, because I was a brunette and I felt like brunettes had to go with Angie and blondes had to go with Miss Rachel Green. 
So this was really challenging for me as a lover of celebrity culture. I was a Friends fan from the age of eight. I'm not sure I should have been watching Friends at eight, but I had permissive parents um, and, and I love them. So I probably would have been team Jennifer Aniston because I had always been team Rachel Green. But unfortunately, at the time, I felt like you had to pick sides as everybody else did. And I was a gender studies student at university. And I really respected Angelina Jolie's work with survivors of sexual assault during wartime. I really admired her work as a UN Goodwill ambassador. I felt she was an important humanitarian. And I was also sick of women being slut shamed and judged first and foremost by the people they had sex with. I just felt like women shouldn't be reduced to our sexual choices. And so I was team Angelina Jolie because I felt like this woman was doing so much good for the world. She didn't deserve to be vilified just because she happened to fall in love with the wrong person. So what you're saying is I'm superficial. I got it, Sarah. But also, I totally <laughs> agree with all your reasons. They're very good reasons. And a lot of what we're going to talk about today, actually. So let's start at the very beginning. Brad and Jen began dating in 1998 and got married in 2000. The public went bananas for the A-list power couple. Brad was a sex symbol, one of the most exciting young movie stars of his generation. So I don't know if you know this, but people started naming their babies after his character Tristan in the 1994 movie Legends of the Fall. I think that's a whole other sickness. Pretty much. So there was Brad fever. People were obsessed with him. He had been linked to famous women before. He was linked to Jennifer Aniston. He dated Juliette Lewis. He also famously dated Gwyneth Paltrow. But there was something magical about the Jen and Brad pairing. She was America's sweetheart, starring on the biggest show in America. In fact, Friends is still one of the most popular sitcoms in America and the world, thanks to streaming. The biggest movie star found the biggest TV star, and they just seemed to fit together. They were both able-bodied, heterosexual white people, the kind of people you were used to seeing in ads for appliances on television. Oprah once compared them to the couple at the top of the wedding cake. We loved to make a big deal of the heteronormative ideal, Brad and Jen. They even sort of look alike by the end of their relationship, which I know is something that Brad Pitt has the tendency of doing with his partners. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things about Brad. He morphs into the woman that he's dating and gets a very... He actually had the Rachel briefly. Um, you might want to look that up if you're curious. But yeah, I think one thing about them that's so special is they felt like a fairy tale for all the reasons that you said. They felt like a real-life Disney prince and princess, which feels ridiculous to say, but it was the way we were soaking them in. Like, that was it for those of us who were over the age of 13. It was Brad and Jen. Honestly, two A-listers finding each other and Brad guest starring on Jen's show. I What more could you want, especially as a teenager? I was obsessed with them. But then the unthinkable happened. It was the shock heard round the world, the breakup of Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. On January 7th, 2005, Pitt and Aniston announced their divorce after four years of marriage. The superstars released a joint statement that went like this. We would like to announce that after seven years together, we have decided to formally separate. For those who follow these sorts of things, we would like to explain that our separation is not the result of any of the speculation reported in the tabloid media. This decision is the result of much thoughtful consideration. So it seems like quite a mature way 
to get divorced. Um, it was very diplomatic. It does throw a little bit of shade at people who follow celebrity culture, which I definitely picked up on. But it honestly feels like two people who lived and loved and grew apart. The problem was approximately 0% of their fan base believed that these were just two people who decided mutually to part ways. Immediately, everyone zeroed in on Brad's Mr. and Mrs. Smith co-star, Angelina Jolie. Oh dear. What an awkward situation. Now, can I just say, I mean, Angelina, literally a Disney villain. Maleficent right here. She walks in with her horns. <laughs> she was ahead of her time. And carry on, Sarah. What happened next? Speculation immediately began that something or someone had broken up Brad and Jen. The media suspected Brad's recent co-star, Angelina Jolie. In 2005, Jolie was already an Academy Award-winning actress. She was also openly bisexual in an era where staying closeted was still the Hollywood norm. As acclaimed a performer as she already was, Angelina was as famous for her iconic roles in Girl Interrupted and Tomb Raider as she was for kissing her brother at the Oscars or wearing a vial of Billy Bob Thornton's blood during their brief marriage. But as notorious as Jolie's eccentric antics made her, the star had begun to reinvent herself in the early OOs. By the time she met Brad, Angelina had become a single mom to adopted son Maddox and a UN Goodwill ambassador. But now she was about to add a new role to her roster, the other woman. The world immediately pitted, and that pun was intended, Jennifer and Angelina against each other. And thus, the most notorious tabloid saga of the century began. And we're really going to be focusing on how the media manufactured this rivalry because it wanted a catfight. Brad kind of receded into the background. It was almost like the media and the public felt like Angelina Jolie had somehow kidnapped him and he had no agency. He wasn't responsible for leaving Jen. Instead, Angelina had ensnared him with her sexy, sultry looks and her humanitarian work. I mean, honestly, Sarah, that does sound very hot. And I would absolutely sign up for that. Who wouldn't? The funny thing is, who was Team Brad? I don't remember a single soul choosing Brad Pitt in all of this. It was two sides. It was down to the women. It was down to the Disney princess. And it was down to the other woman. But I will say one thing about Angelina Jolie, who I was and still am a big fan of. But, you know, she was also known at the time for being the other woman in another relationship. When she got together with Billy Bob Thornton, he had left Laura Dern for Angelina Jolie. As the story goes, Laura Dern came home one day and he was just gone and he packed up his stuff and he was off with Angelina exchanging blood vials. And that was that. So she kind of already had this media reputation. I'm not saying that it was her doing, but it was already kind of the narrative that was following her. And it did seem a lot like she was kind of leaning into it. Well, I mean, we'll never know if she was leaning into it or not. We do know that Brad very much leaned into it. Do you remember the notorious W photo shoot? Oh, tell me about it, Sarah. Okay, so before Brad and Jen even officially split, he decided to art direct a pictorial in W Magazine called Domestic Bliss, where he and Angelina Jolie played spouses, and they were the parents to seemingly a million beautiful blonde children who actually look like what their future children together did look like. They're blonde-haired, blue eyes. They're super cute kids. But 
It felt a little bit off to people that while he was still married to another woman, he was doing this photo shoot. And that was part of what fueled the speculation that he was leaving Jennifer Aniston for Angelina Jolie. And then it turned out to be true. What's interesting about this case is so often Hollywood and tabloid rumors are incorrect. And this one was correct from the beginning. There was no exaggeration, really. This was what was happening. That's the funny thing. I remember that, actually. And I remember nobody ever talks, goes to high school and talks about the cover of W Magazine. (laughs) But I remember that one very well because it was oddly chilling just to see those photos of them with these children who would, of course, end up looking like their kids in the future. But they looked so loved up. They looked beautiful. It was as if we were kind of manicuring what the relationship was going to be, not just in the media, but in real life. And it was set up to look like another fantasy that we would drink right up. I mean, those photos were gorgeous. And they definitely painted a picture of what the relationship might be. But yeah, it was very, it didn't leave a good taste in your mouth if you were thinking about Jennifer Aniston at all. And I can only imagine what she was thinking when she saw that cover, because God knows she saw that cover. It was in particularly poor taste because Brad Art directed it. So it felt like he was trying to communicate this message to the world. This is my new family that I'm building. It was ostensibly to promote Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the movie that they had made together. But most Team Gen people were still very offended. And I get it. It it is a little bit over the top, but you can have a little bit more tact when you're divorcing someone. I mean, if someone else had art directed it, it would be one thing. But Brad took the credit for this idea. I mean, this is the thing. It was very ballsy. And I feel like he knew what he was doing. (laughs) Let's not paint him as the innocent party. They were getting off on this whole thing. And by the way, can I just interrupt and say Mr. and Mrs. Smith is still a fantastic movie. And I will stand by that forever, even though there was adultery happening behind the scenes. I love that movie. I'm a huge fan of it. Uh, I mean, on some levels, it's ridiculous, but I can willfully suspend my disbelief to believe that too hit people are married to each other and are trying to kill each other, but then somehow end up happy and in love. You still alive, baby? The rumors about Brad and Jen were confirmed in April of 2005 when photos of them vacationing in Kenya with Jolie's son Maddox went the 05 version of viral, i.e. they were on the covers of celebrity glossies and gossip magazines. Us Weekly's cover read, Brad and Angelina, secret love trip. The Us headline came complete with a photo of the new family of three hanging out on a gorgeous beach. In the corner, there was a small photo of Jen wearing an angry expression. The caption below her portrait reads, Jen reacts to the news. The media and fans soon projected enmity onto the two actresses. Already, Jen is part of this narrative. Everyone wants you to see this as a rivalry. Everyone wants you to see them as enemies. And really, the media is making this about two women in competition with each other, even though Angelina Jolie is not the person who was responsible for leaving Jennifer Aniston, the person who married her and promised to stay with her forever and then chose to break that promise was Brad Pitt. Yeah, and I think what's interesting to note is during much of this time, neither actually none of the three parties even commented on what was going on. I mean, this was the media entirely crafting a narrative. And let me just say, it is very easy to do that. And as someone who has worked in making baby articles and things that you want people to click on, I know how easy it is. And that one definitely kind of just fell into everybody's laps. But yeah, I mean, this was kind of being spun out of control all on its own. 
Absolutely. So there was no dramatic public showdown like the mythical dance-off between Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake. That may or may not have happened, but in my heart it happened. However, nothing like that occurred between Jen and Angelina. There was no red carpet tiff. In fact, the two women were pretty polite about each other. And that didn't stop the media from turning them into the biggest nemeses since like, I don't know, Tom and Jerry, basically. Gossip blogger Perez Hilton referred to Aniston as Maniston, mocking her appearance and dubbing Angelina Jolie Santa Angelina. So that's problematic on a number of levels. And I'm not going to get into critique of Perez Hilton because if you Google critiques of him, you can find really great articles. But we can say that what he said was transphobic as well as misogynistic. And, you know, it's a great example of how the media was really cruel when it took sides, probably needlessly so. Yeah, Perez Hilton was one of the worst little pests out there at the time. I mean, he would say anything he wanted. He's very offensive. We do not support Perez Hilton. But yeah, I mean, it was a good example of the way that everybody was characterizing these two as just the very sweet woman who was left alone and who's bitter and sad and angry now, which was probably not even actually the case. And then also this terrible woman, this villain, who's just snatching her man and sinking her claws into him. I mean, was that actually the truth? Maybe, but we don't actually know that. So talk show host Oprah Winfrey, the mogul of moguls, also took sides. She invited Jen and a crew of the stars' closest friend to her Montecito home for a girls' weekend in 2005. This, by the way, is my fantasy. The next week, Jen appeared on Oprah's TV show where Winfrey announced that Jen looked gorgeous. You look like an ad for Pilates. What a great compliment. Oprah really knows how to boost your self-esteem. I mean, I would love to be told that by Oprah. That's amazing. A perfect example of how the public was expected to choose sides came when the love triangle made its way into our wardrobes. Mere months after the Pitt-Aniston divorce was announced, L.A. boutique Kitson began selling two new T-shirts. One proclaimed that you were Team Aniston, while the other read Team Jolie. You may recall that iconic 2005 pap shot of Paris Hilton wearing a Team Jolie top, while her sister Nikki wears a Team Aniston shirt. Tellingly, there were no Team Pitt T-shirts, so before we discuss why these two women were so polarizing, I'd like to ask you, did you own one of these t-shirts, Sadaf? Sarah, I did it, and it's one of my biggest regrets in life. If I had one, I would be wearing it right now, and maybe I'd even be wearing a Team Brad shirt. I don't know. I can't say right now, but I wish I did. And I remember being in high school, people walking around with their shirts on and choosing sides. Like, this actually broke people up. It brought people together. It was a moment in time. I would definitely still wear that vintage piece of OO's nostalgia if I had it. I mean, what says 2005 more than that t-shirt? Nothing. And 2005, that was a halcyon time. I mean, the hills, they were still on the air. So returning to the media narrative that cast Jen as a sad, jilted victim, it solidified very, very quickly. When I was doing this research, I was actually surprised by how quickly it solidified. You'd think that Jen would be cast as this swinging single who is rich and beautiful, but no, immediately everyone just assumes that she is just completely heartbroken and will never get over this divorce. In her now iconic post-divorce interview with Vanity Fair in the fall of 2005, Aniston spoke candidly about her split from Brad for the first time. Written by Leslie Bennett, 
This is how the article starts. Jennifer Aniston opens the door to the Malibu bungalow she's been holed up in lately. She gives me a radiant smile and an effusive hello. Then she bursts into tears. The article drives home that Aniston feels heartbroken and the message is clear. Divorce was not what Jen wanted. The profile is full of melancholy imagery. It portrays a Jen so devastated, she begins weeping before Bennett's can even ask her a question. The piece also describes Jen's new habit of, quote, yelling at the ocean, a cathartic strategy the actress used to get out her emotions. And I don't know if you remember this enough, but it kind of became a meme. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, the funny thing about this moment is, doesn't it just remind you of Big Little Lies? Like this was her moment by the beach, Pino in hand, tight beige cardigan wrapped around her, hair blowing in the wind. I mean, I can hear the music right now. It also kind of sounds like my fantasy. Like, it doesn't sound that bad. Having a cathartic experience on a Malibu beach, you're wearing cashmere, you're drinking wine. I would be down for that. Oh my God, no, put us in the game. Absolutely. Would love to be Jennifer Aniston by the beach. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's kind of the happiest depiction of a sad person I can remember. I don't think it's intentionally a happy depiction. But to me, it feels sort of aspirational. Like, oh, this is the chicest way to mourn your marriage. I think this is, it's luxury sad. It's rich sad. If We love that kind of sad. Exactly. And I feel like rich sad is kind of like middle-class happy. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So the media's desire to compare and contrast the two women did not ease up over time. Condé Nast cashed in on the rivalry when American Vogue had the same writer, Jonathan Van Meter, interview both actresses 23 months apart. For their respective Vogue covers, the stars were styled in nearly identical long red gowns that revealed their shoulders. Okay, so I'm just opening these pictures right now because I don't remember them at all. And it's kind of hilarious because they're almost practically identical. So both of the women are in these gorgeous long red gowns. Jennifer's got a little bit of a smile. It looks a little chilling. And Angelina's got a little bit of a sneer going on. I mean, they're absolutely following a narrative. And while Jen is by the beach, which I presume she always is, and it's daytime, Angelina is just hanging out at dusk, looking a little bit like a viper in the sand, which I think is, again, the narrative that they want us to have. It's hilarious. It's funny. I, I can't believe like when I went back and looked at these two covers, because I remembered the interviews, but I didn't remember that the covers were so similar. I was shocked at how brazen this is. Vogue is basically commanding you to compare these two women. They're cashing in on the rivalry and perpetuating it. But the interviews are Depending on how you feel about the tactics that Van Meter uses, they're either evil or brilliant. The most fascinating part of the dueling Vogue covers is how Jonathan Van Meter sets the stage for the Jen interview 23 months later within the text of the Angelina interview. Here is how he describes Angelina. Quote, she looks at ease and in her element, all dolled up, surrounded by men. This visual provides a sharp contrast to Jen, whose friendships with women Van Meter makes central to his Aniston profile. He is taking pains to illustrate images of Angelina Jolie surrounded by guys, and he's showing you how men find her attractive. She is this sex bomb. Whereas Jennifer Aniston gets to be the girl next door. She gets to be your best friend. She basically gets to be Rachel Green in the profile. 
Yeah. And who doesn't want to be friends with Rachel Green? Who doesn't want to date Rachel Green? I mean, maybe Ross briefly, but you know, we all get it. And here's the thing, Jonathan Van Meter, as a journalist, I will say, I love the idea of sending out the same person to interview the both of them and do a little bit of a compare and contrast. That's genius. But at the same time, he did go in with a narrative to fill for the both of them. And maybe that would have been hard to resist. I mean, you say it's old news, but Sarah is a really old news. I mean, we're talking about this in 2021. We cannot get over it still. It, it really is the love triangle that's defined this generation, not just of us, but of media and tabloids. I mean, we're still getting off on it. You're right. We are still going with this narrative. We're still exploring this story. It will never truly be old news. Thank God. <laughs> so at one point, Van, Van Meter asks Angelina if she'd be open to meeting with Aniston. Her response, that would be her decision, and I would welcome it. It's a diplomatic answer, one that respects Jen's boundaries and acknowledges her status as an unfortunate casualty in the creation of the Jolie-Pitt family. However, over the course of the interview, Angelina also candidly describes how she and Brad fell in love on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Angelina suggests nothing physical happened at the time, but the sort of bonding she describes is reminiscent of what Esther Perel would refer to as an emotional affair. So just get a load of this quotation. Angelina tells Vogue, quote, whether it was shooting a scene or arguing about a scene or gun practice or dance class or doing stunts, anything we had to do with each other, we just found a lot of joy in it together and a lot of real teamwork. We just became a kind of pair. And it took until really the end of the shoot for us, I think, to realize that it might mean something more than we'd earlier allowed ourselves to believe. Filthy. Disgusting. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I, we're not here to judge these two and the relationship they decided to have. We're just looking at the way that this has been interpreted for years. But the funny thing is when I hear that quote, I just think, yeah, of course they fell in love. Of course they did. They're shooting this hot movie. There are two hot people doing hot things. And it happens. And when you're working together, it's kind of like having a work wife or a work husband, which us normals experience mm -hmm. in the day-to-day -day anyway in the office. And you're together all the time. You might even be closer together and more often together than you are with your actual partner. So things happen. I'm not forgiving them, but I'm just saying it's very understandable. And if she wants to talk about her relationship, this is a way to do it. I mean, if she's always going to have to open it with a defense first, is that fair to her? I don't know. I mean, what does she owe the public, really? Exactly. This is not the first marriage to break up on account of infidelity at all, by any means. And it's been a few years. She didn't do this right away. I wouldn't say this quote is in the kind of poor taste that the W photo shoot was in. I have a lot of sympathy for this. At the same time, I have sympathy for Jennifer Aniston's reaction, which is captured for posterity in her 2008 Vogue interview. When he gets the chance to interview Jen, Jonathan Van Meter brings up Angelina Jolie. Of course he will. And he writes in his article that, quote, Jen could not resist the urge to buy a copy of Vogue to see what the fuss was about. Uh, so literally what he put in his last interview is the spark for the quotes he gets in the next interview with Jennifer Aniston. So I can't tell if this is genius or if this is kind of evil or just a little bit of both. It makes for some great reading, however. 
Yeah, sir, why can't it all be true? It's all true. And I love that about Jonathan, Mr. Jonathan Van Meter, who I'd never heard of before or after. But I love this tactic. And it's very clever. And here's the other thing. What amazes me about all of this is that Jennifer actually was that candid and she actually admitted to this. I mean, it's very much, let's not deny it as much as we love Rachel Green. It's a little bit of a performance put on for this journalist, isn't it? She's playing the part of Rachel because that's what Rachel would do. Right now, he's portraying her the way Rachel Green would react. It's both brilliant and exactly what her audience wants. Van Meter says of Jennifer, What really offended Jen about the piece was that Angelina felt the need to recount a detailed timeline of exactly how her relationship developed on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith while Jen was still with Brad. I mean, absolutely. This is a nightmare times 10. If this happens, most of the time, you can just avoid that person entirely and never have to hear from them again. But for Jennifer, it's all over. It's everywhere. Their faces are on billboards. They're on most magazine covers. You really can't run away from it. I mean, the Jen and Brad divorce was a headline on CNN. It really was one of the last pieces of monoculture that we had. But everything about Brad and Angelina was also part of the monoculture. You could hear information about them on CNN or on Entertainment Tonight or in magazines. They were inescapable. So this is kind of a waking nightmare. And at the time, I don't think I gave Jen enough credit for how resilient she was, that she got up every morning knowing that she would be triggered and remember the trauma of her divorce at least 50 times a day. Like, Good for you, Jen. I mean, yeah, I we're by the way, we're not forgetting that she has millions of dollars to make her feel a little bit easier during all of this. <laughs> but at the same time, come on, a breakup is tough. And one where it happened this way with one of the most famous and beautiful women in the world, it is not easy, I presume. And yeah, it must have been tough. And then you have this kind of snake like Jonathan Van Meter coming in to set you up for the story. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it. The media doesn't want Jennifer to get over her divorce because it sells headlines. And listen, I'm not saying she doesn't profit off of the sad gen image. She made millions of dollars. She's remained relevant. And part of what made her relevant was that she is an excellent comic performer. And part of what kept her relevant was that people wanted to read about her personal life. So celebrity is complicated. And all of these nuanced things can be true. Like it can be true that she made a lot of money and got a lot of opportunities because she was seen as a jilted woman. But it can also be true that divorce is somewhat heightened when you're a celebrity in many ways. Like you don't have the financial problems that a lot of divorced people deal with who are normal people who now are dividing their assets. You don't have those issues. You can afford therapy. And Jennifer Aniston is a very vocal advocate of therapy. She often talks about going to therapy. But it's also true that everybody knows about your divorce and has an opinion on it. And that's something that most of us will never, ever have to deal with. Phew. Oh, my God. I'm so glad we're never going to have to go through that. I guess it's a relief that we're not celebrities, Sarah. Um, so you know what? This sounds like a great time to take a break before we jump into talking about these women and their possibly empty wombs. That's a fun topic. I need a minute before I tell you all the details about Bump Watch. Another obsession with the media was anything to do with Angelina and Jennifer's respective wombs. Brad and Angelina began to expand their family immediately after getting together. 
They brought home their first daughter in 2005 when they adopted six-month-old Zahara from an orphanage in Ethiopia. The following year, Angelina gave birth to the couple's third child, Shiloh. In March of 2007, the Jolie Pitts adopted again when they brought home three-year-old Pax, who was born in Vietnam. When Angelina delivered twins Knox and Vivian the following year, People Magazine paid $14 million for the rights to a photo spread about the new family of eight. The funds went to the Jolie Pitt Foundation, but that photo shoot inspired an expose in the New York Times about what the paper referred to as Jolie's carefully orchestrated image. Carefully orchestrated image, that's a quote. Sources revealed to Brooke Barnes that the Pitts didn't want millions of dollars for their adorable baby photos alone. In addition to that money, they, quote, also wanted a hefty slice of journalistic input, a promise that the winning magazine's coverage would be positive, not merely in that instance, but into the future. So in this expose, Jolie is cast in the media as the controlling, conniving matriarch of an ever-expanding family. What's interesting is that Brad is more or less absent from this critique. They're scapegoating Jolie, which by, plays into a lot of very sexist stereotypes of overbearing mothers. I, I feel like it's pretty misogynistic the way they portray her as controlling, kind of like she's the stage mom managing the entire family and preventing journalists from covering them ad accurately. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's interesting because let's first of all, not deny the fact that this was a little bit of image rehabilitation for the couple. And in the same note, they get to donate a chunk of this money for a very good cause. But at the same time, she is very much the face of the entire quote-unquote manipulation that's happening here of the media. But I mean, listen, the media has used them to sell magazines for years. Why don't they use them a little bit? I mean, if People Magazine even threw me a million dollars, I'd let them into the birthing room. Okay, I don't mind. Let's do it. Oh, honestly, I gave birth last year. And while I wouldn't even let my husband watch my daughter crown, if People Magazine wants to give me like, hell, I don't even need... I don't even need a million. If People Magazine wants to come in and pay me like 25000 that's great. I can buy a car. Like, that's fantastic. You can see my daughter. You can see her crown. Like, okay. Paging People Magazine right now. I would have a second child just to sell them photos. If I were a celebrity, I would be so tempted to just always be pregnant so that I could get in on this racket. Yes, please. <laughs> Okay. I know a lot of people will think that that's in poor taste. I'd still take care of the kids and I'd love them, but also they would be assets in addition to that. Okay. So the media was perhaps more obsessed with the children Jennifer Aniston did not have than the children Brad and Angelina were actually raising. I'm sure you can remember the constant bump watch to which Jen was subjected to. I mean, here's the thing. She's still subjected to it. And we are years down the line. And she has made it very clear she does not even want a child. But if she has the littlest bit of bloat, the cameras catch it. And they ask us, is she pregnant? And I just want to scream, no, she does not want to be pregnant. It's over. So in 2005, the narrative for many people, was that Brad had left Jen because she didn't want children. And in the interviews of the time, Jen got pretty emotional when that came up. So returning to the 2005 Vanity Fair piece, she talks about that rumor and says, quote, I've never in my life said I didn't want to have children. I did and I do and I will. The women that inspire me, 
are the ones who have children and careers. Why would I want to limit myself? I've always wanted to have children, and I would never give up that experience for a career. So the bump watch sort of begins for Jennifer Aniston following the divorce. Anytime she's involved with someone, everybody speculates she's having that person's baby. And in part, while I'm not trying to justify the the paparazzi who stalked her looking for a bloated belly, in part, it comes from the fact that she was so adamant about wanting children in the fallout from her divorce. You absolutely still believe in marriage. You still believe in someplace he'll walk in the room and he will be the father of the children you're going to have. Mm-hmm. Nothing's changed. No. Uh-uh. No way. Now, for one reason or another, the 52-year-old Jen has not become a mother. It could be that she changed her mind. It could be that it didn't work out. But the fact that Jen is now in her 50s hasn't stopped tabloids from speculating endlessly about the state of her womb. In 2016, Jen actually wrote a brilliant op-ed for the Huffington Post about her frustration with the constant bump watch. And this is what she says, quote, For the record, I am not pregnant. What I am is fed up. I'm fed up with the sport-like scrutiny and body shaming that occurs daily under the guise of journalism, the First Amendment, and celebrity news. Which, I mean, amen. I mean, here's the thing with Jen, I think, and the way the media treated her. I mean, we live in a very progressive Western part of the world, and still women in tabloids are reduced to being wives, girlfriends, moms. And she very much got the brunt of that. I mean, she went through the whole thing, even though she very much was against I mean, she's not been much of a married woman. She's not been a woman who's had children. She didn't stick it through with her dream husband. And that's fine. That's actually quite common. And she's been a bit of a role model to people who don't really want those things. But I think what does sell covers is that old fashioned tagline that she should want to get married. She should want the white picket fence dream. And here's the thing. She's got that dream, but she's got it on her own. And that's fine. That sounds great to me. But yeah, I mean, I can't even picture her having children at this point. And I think that's fine. Angelina did it for all of us. She's got a kid for just about anybody who wants one. Everything you said is so spot on. Jennifer actually says in her op-ed for the Huffington Post, the sheer amount of resources being spent right now by press trying to simply uncover whether or not I am pregnant for the bajillionth time, but who's counting, points to the perpetuation of the notion that women are somehow incomplete, unsuccessful, or unhappy if they're not married with children. It's up to us what makes us happy and fulfilled. So she really becomes a feminist icon here for the child-free, for people who are happily single. At this time, she's still married, but she makes room and takes pains to include people who are not partnered in her critique of Bump Watch. So, I mean, I have to say, like, Angelina, you're great. Jen, you're also great. Like, these are two feminist women, and I'm a big fan. So am I. And you know who we're not very much a fan of? Brad Pitt. I mean, listen, he's a great actor. That's a whole other story. But as far as this love triangle goes, he kind of got really buried under the rug with a lot of it. And it became a woman versus woman situation. And I think it's incredibly unfair because there is someone at the center of it who was never really questioned about it and never really commented about it. And we didn't see his face on these covers getting the bitter, angry representation that I don't think he deserved either, but it's just interesting when you see who the media chooses to be the characters of this quote-unquote battle. My last question is this. If 
Angelina got together with Brad Pitt right after his divorce, potentially during his marriage, again, in 2021, if this all went down today as opposed to in 2005, do you think it would have been as big a scandal? Do you think that we as a society are as offended by marriages that break up and love triangles today as we were in 05? I think it's complicated. I think we would still be as obsessed with this love triangle now because these people, all three of them, are very much the last era of movie stars. And we put those people on a very high pedestal no matter what they do. At the same time, I think when it comes to the other woman, I'd like to say that we'd be a little more lenient. I don't think that we would turn Angelina into this terrible villain and rip her to shreds. I mean, one key thing about all of this is that that entire love triangle comes out of the, and I'm going to say these terrible buzzwords that I know a lot of people hate, but the male gaze, it is very much that. And we put them through that. And that's why we take the two women, just them, and reduce them to these terrible archetypes and women who are fighting and battling over a man who has no voice in the entire situation. I think he might have more of one now. I think we would wonder more about what his involvement is than we did back then, or at least I'd hope so. What do you think, Sarah? So I absolutely think that this would be just as scandalous if it happened in 2021. As you mentioned, they were some of our last movie stars. Your grandma knew who Brad Pitt was, as did your cool cousin. The same is true today. Now, we don't really have movie stars. We have so many different types of celebrity, and we don't have a monoculture. But beyond that, I would like to think that we live in more enlightened times because of the Me Too movement. I would like to think that we're less likely to slut shame women, but that's not true. And here is my case in point, the John Mulaney divorce. When recently John Mulaney announced his divorce from Anna Marie Tendler, the media became obsessed, and so did pretty much everyone on social media. Well, not everyone, but everyone I knew became obsessed with it. Outlets from Us Weekly to Highbrow Vanity Fair discussed reports that Olivia Munn was the other woman and that she had been John's obsessed fan. The subtext is pretty misogynistic and portrays her as somebody who essentially poached John Mulaney. She was obsessed with him. She was fixated. So I think the trope of the man-eater persists. I think it lives to this day. I think Olivia Munn and the way she's being represented in John Mulaney's divorce shows you that Angelina Jolie, because she's way more famous than Olivia Munn, would be in for the same type of slut-shaming. I mean, Olivia Munn is a great example because she's somebody who's gotten the Angelina treatment for years, even prior to this particular quote-unquote scandal. She's always sort of been written off as a man-eater type. And for whatever reason, I mean, there's not really anything to speak to it. I mean, she's dated a few pretty famous names in Hollywood, including Chris Pine, um, just saying. But she's not really somebody who I think makes sense to throw into that love triangle in that way. But it doesn't really matter because media is not about logic and about sense. It's about who can we make the evil person and make you want to pick up another magazine or click on this tweet or whatever it may be. And Anna-Marie Tendler, she comes off as a very sweet, happy woman who's very much like the pure person in the story. I mean, even now she's been posting things on her Instagram of her crying and their selfies. And I mean, Jesus, that's tragic. So we know whose side to take. I'm sad for Anna-Marie, but I'm also not somebody who wants to choose sides anymore because we've been through this other one and we know that that doesn't lead to anything. My only question is, what does John Mulaney have to say about this? So here are my final thoughts 
on the Angelina Jolie versus Jennifer Aniston rivalry. When asked about how Eddie Fisher left her for Elizabeth Taylor in the 1960s, the icon Debbie Reynolds had the following to say, quote, a man doesn't leave a woman for another woman unless he wants to go. So here's my thought. Maybe the most feminist thing we can do is stop pitting Jen and Angelina against each other. Angelina did not force Brad to break his marriage vows. That's a choice he made. He had agency. Instead, maybe let's focus on being fans of both Angelina and Jen. Perhaps that's the most radically feminist thing we can do. I completely agree with you. I mean, we've got to end this kind of battle between the hot blonde and the hot brunette. It's so high school, first of all. And also, it's kind of outdated. I mean, who cares, really? I think it's just exciting to have a scandal to talk about and have fun with. But it's very much a real life story that's happening. These are not fictional characters. And we shouldn't be putting women through the ringer just for the relationships that they're in, no matter how they ended up in them. Um, There's always a third party involved. And I think there's something to consider there. And I think Debbie Reynolds put it best, to be honest with you. I don't think we have to choose anymore. I've decided I am Team Jolie and Team Aniston. Oh, same. Who even is Brad Pitt? (laughs) And on that note, that is this week's inaugural episode of The Reheat. We cannot thank you enough for listening, and we hope you'll come back because we definitely plan to cover a ton more salacious scandals. And the only way to do that is if we gossip about it together. And if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Sadafasan. Listeners can find me on Twitter at Sarah Sahagian. And if you liked this podcast, please know that we are part of the Frequency Podcast Network. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 